0: This is Tech News for MBAs. I'm Professor Paul Canetti. It is February 19th, 2021. It is snowing here in New York City and wherever you are in the world. I hope this finds you well. Hopefully, if you are somewhere in Texas or another affected area by this insane cold front and storm, uh, well, you probably won't be listening to a podcast right now anyway, but I hope that you're all right. And 2021 certainly has not given us much relief coming off of 2020, but hopefully there are bluer skies ahead as the year progresses. I'd mentioned it in an earlier episode, but I am now officially writing a book about augmented reality. It's called Augment Nation, Moving Humanity to the Software Layer. And this is an idea that's been kicking around in my mind for the past three or four years. And so I've decided to take a different approach. I am writing and releasing this book as a weekly paid newsletter. I'll put a link in the show notes, but the website is augmentnation.substack.com. For those not familiar with Substack, Substack is a newsletter platform, and normally that would be for what it sounds like, a newsletter, but I am going to use it to send out an email each week containing a section of the book. And week by week, section by section, chapter by chapter, I will write The book over what I anticipate will be about a year. And if you subscribe, you can not only support and fund the creation of this book, but also you get to read it in real time, hot off the press as I write it. But um, I thought it would be a fun and modern and more interactive way to write. It puts pressure on me to actually sit down and write something every single week to publish something every single week and also to get feedback and bring others into the process where you can sort of in real time interact with the content of a book as it's being written. If you're interested, definitely check it out. The first part of the first chapter is free and you can see the table of contents there. Maybe the next time that we have a story about augmented reality, I'll get more into what the book is all about. But in short, it's really about imagining a future where augmented reality devices are as ubiquitous as smartphones are today, less about the tech or about, you know, who's going to win in the space. Is it Apple or Google or Facebook? It doesn't try to make any predictions. It just sort of skips ahead to a world where AR has already been widely accepted and adopted and really tries to imagine what things will be like at that time. So, I'm keeping busy over here. As far as the podcast, you know I say it every week, but if you haven't subscribed yet, please do subscribe. Consider leaving a review and tell a friend if you like listening to the podcast. The more, the merrier. So, let's get into the news. A new proposed law in Australia meant to help news companies backfires as Facebook removes all news content from its service in Australia. This storm has been brewing for a while, but basically, Australia lawmakers have proposed a new piece of legislation that is expected to pass. The name of it is the Treasury Laws Amendment, parentheses, news media and digital platforms mandatory bargaining code. And that summarizes it pretty well. Basically, the law states that news companies and big digital platforms need to mandatorily come to the table and negotiate a deal where regulators would approve those deals. And the criteria for approval is that the news companies get a lot of money from the digital platform providers. The impetus for this is the simple fact that news businesses, for the most part, are doing terribly as a result of digital disruption and the Internet. Meanwhile, you have companies like Facebook and Google and Twitter, et cetera, that are doing amazing. And so the rough logic here is supposed to be that these digital companies are making all this money on the back of the poor news corporations that are suffering. And all the advertisers are spending with Facebook instead of with the local newspaper, even though the content from that newspaper is propping up Facebook's engagement. On the face of it, it might sound fair, Except that in reality, the power dynamics seem to run the other way. Facebook and Google and Twitter, these are the primary sources of traffic to all these news websites. That's how people discover and consume the news. You see a link on Facebook, you click it, you go to that news publisher's website, and from there... You might choose to buy a subscription at that website. You might see advertisements on that website. Facebook doesn't participate in any of that revenue coming to that publisher. But the whole reason you went to the publisher's website is because you discovered it on Facebook. In anticipation of this law, Google had threatened that they would just stop operating Google Search in Australia. Bye bye Google.com. We're just not going to do it. In reality, it seems like Google's bluff has been called as they announced that they've come to some sort of large-scale deal, we don't know the specifics, with Rupert Murdoch's News Corp., which of course is the largest news publisher in Australia. The short version is Google is going to pay them a bunch of money, in addition to continuing to drive tons of traffic to their news websites. And Facebook, on the other hand, has decided to take the opposite approach. They're not shutting down Facebook in Australia, but they are shutting down news content on Facebook in Australia. It will now be impossible to see news on Facebook because they're removing every single link. If you try to share a link to a news article on Facebook in Australia, no one will be able to see that link. If you are the publisher yourself and you try to post a link to your own article on your own Facebook page it will be hidden from view. If a publisher or a user outside Australia posts a link, users inside Australia will not be able to see it. And if you are a user outside of Australia, you will not be able to see any news from within Australia because links to Australian news websites will be hidden to everybody worldwide. So rather than this law driving more revenue to publishers, now they're going to lose all of the traffic that they were getting from Facebook. Now, why would they take such drastic action? Because the penalty was going to be up to 10% of global revenue. In 2020, Google's revenue was $183 billion and Facebook's was $71 billion. So you can do the math, take 10% of either of those numbers as a penalty for not coming to some sort of mandatory bargaining ...with news publishers in Australia, which is just a ridiculous penalty to impose or to threaten to impose. It's a real problem. News is important to a functioning democracy. News companies really can't get their shit together, so they can't figure out how to make money. And yes, these big tech companies are eating their lunch as far as taking all of the advertising revenue. But an extreme measure like this really does show where the leverage is... Where Facebook just says, okay, do whatever you want. We are not going to risk $7 billion a year to mess with this. Just forget it. Bad for users, bad for the publishers. Nobody seems to be benefiting from this arrangement. We will see if other countries follow suit. Australia is the first to take such a dramatic action, but this is a theme that's kind of floating around everywhere. I'd like to imagine there is a good solution here, but this sure doesn't look like that solution. Dating service Bumble IPO'd this week, making their founder and CEO, Whitney Wolf Herd the youngest self-made female billionaire ever. Whitney Wolf Herd is 31 years old, and there was this awesome image of her right at the moment that the company went public, holding her one-year-old son. It was just awesome. Whitney Wolf Herd is not only the founder of Bumble, but before that, she was the co-founder of Tinder. Just imagine founding Tinder and then leaving and founding Bumble. Bumble went public. It is now worth over $8 billion. The headline was that she is the youngest ever self-made billionaire woman and the youngest woman to ever take a company public. But the whole thing is kind of funny because I think there's only like 20 women that have ever taken any company public or maybe she's the 21st, 22nd, 23rd. Somewhere around there in all of history, only 6% of CEOs in the S&P 500 are female. This is 2021 stats here. And so I think Whitney Wolf Heard really represents the new age, or hopefully what is the new age of business leadership in America and around the world. I was on the advisory board of a dating app called Find Your Lobster. This is pre-Tinder. And the number one feedback we got from investors, not to mention friends and family, was, are people really going to use a dating app to meet people? Some research suggests that now 50%, that's half of all couples in the U.S., met online. So this is not only a big business, but it's really changing the fabric of society. Anyway, this was exciting to see, and this will be an exciting stock to follow from here going forward. After the break, we're going to do our new segment, Random Startup You've Never Heard Of. We're going to talk about the rover landing on Mars and a challenger to Amazon. Coming up after this 15-second word about our sponsor, Bounce House bounce house helps you sell one-on-one sessions and group classes online built for one-person businesses like personal trainers yoga instructors and nutritionists bounce house is giving away a thousand free licenses to those affected by the pandemic go to bounce.house to learn more that's bounce.house bounce house sell your service online okay as promised this is a new segment on the show called random startup you've never heard of This week's random startup you've never heard of is called Dispo. Dispo is a new photo sharing app co-founded by YouTube star David Dobrik. Their investors include Alexis Ohanian, Sophia Vergara, the band The Chainsmokers, Weekend Fund, which is run by Ryan Hoover, the founder of Product Hunt. A lot of buzz around this app, even though the app itself has been in the app store for about a year. Basically, Dispo looks like a disposable camera you can download it on the app store right now on your iphone and it's cute basically you take the photo using this simulated disposable camera and you can't see the image that you just took until 9 a.m tomorrow so all the photos you take today get developed at 9 a.m tomorrow the new version of the app is not available on the app store yet but apparently has added a bunch of social features including shared roles where Essentially, you have a film canister worth of photos that can be shared among a group of friends, but nobody can see the photos, including the people that took them, until tomorrow at 9 a.m. This app is available as a beta test only, and they hit Apple's limit of 10,000 downloads, apparently after a surge of downloads in Japan. So within the techosphere, everyone is asking for a dispo invite. Do you have a dispo invite? Do you have a dispo invite? But they're quite literally maxed out. Could an app like this be the next Instagram, sort of bringing things back to the basics of just taking casual photos of your friends and sharing them? Only time will tell. But that is this week's random startup you've never heard of. NASA reported that their new Mars rover, Perseverance, landed safely on the red planet. When we talk about tech on this podcast and in general... We're not talking about space travel and NASA, but like what could be more techie than sending an unmanned spacecraft across the solar system for almost a year and land it safely on another planet and then take photos and video and send it back to Earth. Earlier today, I was watching video that has audio, too, by the way. It's really incredible with my five-year-old daughter that had just been taken on another planet. Perseverance really is the perfect name for this mission, and it is just an amazing feat of technology, innovation, ingenuity. And while this was a government-sponsored NASA mission, it is important to keep our eye on space. Elon Musk has SpaceX. Jeff Bezos, who is stepping down from Amazon, presumably to work more on his space company, Blue Origin. Richard Branson has Virgin Galactic. The Trump administration created a new branch of the military called the Space Force. This is not science fiction. This is really happening. There is really a robot on Mars right now FaceTiming us all. This definitely belongs in tech news and honestly puts all the other tech news to shame. E-commerce platform Shopify announced its earnings this week. At this point, you probably have heard of Shopify. But if you haven't, I almost guarantee you have used a website built with Shopify. Shopify is the leading e-commerce platform, meaning that businesses that want to sell things online use Shopify to create their websites and to sell to other channels as well. Their earnings were really staggering. They just had such a killer 2020. Similarly to how we saw that Amazon really benefited from the pandemic, e-commerce in general skyrocketed and Shopify was a beneficiary of that almost every metric doubled year over year 2020 over 2019 and actually their stock price tripled from the beginning of 2020 to the end of 2020 the company is worth now 175 billion dollars one of the important numbers to track with a business like shopify is gmv it stands for gross payments volume and this is basically the amount of money transacted on the platform meaning the amount of money that consumers spent buying stuff From businesses that run their e-commerce through Shopify. In 2020, that number was $120 billion in sales, which was almost exactly double what it was in 2019. And for some perspective, that's about 40% of third-party GMV for Amazon. When people talk about competitors to Shopify, they often talk about solutions like Squarespace or Wix. Those are other e-com solutions that A merchant could choose to use instead of using Shopify. But a better way to think about competition might be that there are sort of two schools of thought when it comes to e commerce an aggregator like Amazon that brings together lots of different items from lots of different merchants into a single place, a single point of entry to search for and buy things from a variety of vendors versus owned and operated shops. That are direct-to-consumer, where you go to a specific website and order that brand's specific things, and the relationship you have is with that brand directly, not with the intermediary like Amazon. Personally, I've always been a fan of owned and operated versus aggregation, although I think if you're a business, if you're trying to sell stuff, you might as well do both. Why not be on Amazon and run your own store, or Etsy and your own store? And if you're Amazon, you're realizing that the whole genre of owned and operated, powered by platforms like Shopify, is actually your biggest threat. This is all also something to consider when you talk about antitrust and monopoly regulation. There's a lot of buzz about breaking up Amazon and that they have a monopoly on e-commerce. It's hard to argue that where you have another business, and this is just one business, Shopify. Again, they have many direct competitors as well. And so you really have to clearly define what do you mean by competitor? Ways for consumers to buy things online? Ways for merchants to sell things online? Do aggregators only compete with other aggregators? Do other white-label platforms like Shopify only compete against other white-label platforms? If you're not familiar with Shopify's whole history, it's really an awesome story. You should listen to the episode of How I Built This with Guy Raz, where he interviews Shopify CEO and founder Tobias Lutke. Really cool story and a really huge and growing business. Buying stuff online, dating online, reading news online, taking photos online. The whole world is moving from the offline to the online online. And in tandem, we might be moving from this planet to Mars. Just another week in the world of tech. I have a simple request for you this and every week, which is to do one or more of the following. Subscribe, leave a review, tell a friend. If you want to hear from me more than once a week, follow me on Twitter at Paul Canetti. Or again, check out my new book at augmentnation.substack.com. I'm Professor Paul Canetti. See you next week for more tech news for MBAs.